0: And welcome to another jam-packed episode of We Love Books, the show where we absolutely love kids' books, and we know you do too. Today, we've got an interview with an author who has not only written about ghosts, she reckons she's been visited by them too. Spooky. Vashti Hardy is in the house, the author of Wild Spark and Bright Storm, and she's got some great suggestions on what to write about if you want to pick up a pen yourself. Or type, you know, because we do that too these days. Our in-house writer extraordinaire Dave Rudden has another epic writing tip himself on the way that you won't want to miss. But first, I wanted to know, who is your favourite character
1: ever from a book? My favourite character is Eloise. Eloise in the Plaza Hotel because she's a bit mischievous and she's a bit naughty. Like you. (laughs) And everything she does is funny. Um, The granny from the Gangster Granny because she's mischievous. I like the Truth Pixie from the Truth Pixie because I just like it. And I like the new book called The choose Pixie Goes to School. And Mr. Fox, because he's a fox.
0: Now on We Love Books, it's time for We Love Reviews. Sisters Anna and Robin have both read Dermot O'Leary's Toto the Ninja Cat series. If you've ever watched The X Factor, you'll know that Dermot is the host with the most on your TV screens, but he's also a cat lover, a cat adopter and a children's author. There are three books in the series, so let's
1: hear what Anna and Robin thought. So Toto the Ninja Cat is a book written by Dermot O'Leary, and she, Toto, is an Italian cat uh, being rescued by humans, and she's been uh, brought to London, and she has a brother called Silver, and she is part of the uh, Society of Ninja Cats, and um, her boss is Larry the Downing Street Cat. She's blind, So she she can only see like dark shapes moving around the place, so she has to kind of use her senses. She's quite like a normal cat in the instincts, like but uh, she kind of when she knows there's something going on, she kind of has this little mode where she just goes, oh, I have to be a ninja now, so I better do this. She likes helping people and solving problems. The second book is based on a cheese heist. All the cheese has been stolen by Archduke Cat. Because human's comfort is based on cheese, so he stole the cheese to make the people sad. The funniest part of the three books for me was Katzenbury, uh based on the Gastonbury uh, concert. And it's all the animals, and it's based like right beside the human festival. You know, the London tube, on top of it, like right on the roof of the London tube, is the animal tube. But humans are always staring at their feet or at their phones, so they never bother to look up and see what's happening right above them. And there's loads of birds, and the rats and the cats have to be separated so that all the rats sit at the back because there was a bit of a disaster. My favorite of the three was the Superstar Catastrophe. I enjoyed it the most because as I said the animals were like humans in different ways and how they built like all the stages they had all the same instruments but a whole lot smaller. This book is probably for ages of six probably to ten Or eleven? I think it's from about seven to eleven.
0: We love books. We meet some of the greatest writers for kids out there and find out what makes them tick. It's time for our interview with a featured author. She's the author of Brightstorm and Wild Spark. She loves adventure and she's had some supernatural ones herself. It's Vashti Hardy. If you were to describe for our readers exactly what
2: Wild Spark is about and what they can expect from it, how would you synopsise the book? So Wild Spark is set in another world. A little bit like ours, a little bit different as well. And it's a world of high invention. Um, So if you imagine things in our world had gone a bit differently and invention had gone in a different direction. So in the world of Wild Spark, there are ghosts that have been brought back inside, lifelike animal machine robots. So if you imagine you had a cat... And the cat walked into the room, and it would be just a, a, a cat, like any other cat, and it sat on the chair beside you, and then it started talking to you and said, "Hello, I'm your great aunt Bessie," or or something, and <laughs> and you would suddenly realise that this this is not a usual cat, but that the the technology is so good in this world that the the robots look exactly like animals, and you can imagine if you were going to make an animal robot you wouldn't just stick to the normal animals, would you? You would you would have flying lions, for example. As you can see from the cover, there's a big flying lion on it. I was like, yes, I get a, get a chance to use a flying lion in my book. So in the world of Wild Spark, they found a way to bring ghosts back inside these these lifelike machines. So the story is about a girl, Prue Hayward, who's from a farm and she's really good at engineering and making things. She used to make Farm animal machinery things like uh, mechanical sheep dogs with her brother, not with ghosts in just regular, regular <laughs> sort of robotic <laughs> animals. And one day, someone arrives on the farm. Oh, she's lost her brother sadly in an illness about to illness about a year ago. And Prue, uh, the story starts with someone arriving on her doorstep at the farm looking for an apprentice for this place where they bring these ghosts back inside these machines. So they're looking for talented young young engineers to become apprentices and Prue sees an opportunity the, um, the person that arrives is looking for her brother Francis and doesn't know what's happened so she thinks I could be Francis, I could be a girl, Francis with an E and uh, go to the guild become an apprentice and Uh, Maybe I can find a way back to my brother there. Maybe I can find a way to reconnect with his spirit and bring him back in one of these machines. But things, as you can imagine, they don't all necessarily work (laughs) out like that.
0: It's such an original and brilliant and interesting idea.
2: Where did you come up with it? So I've always loved ghost stories. I love reading ghost stories and had a few spooky experiences as well. So (laughs) I, I kind of like was, I love, the, yeah, I just I, I'm fascinated by ghosty things and I love technology and science as well. So it, it connects two things that I that I love and just asks a big what if you can think of it a bit like a sum, actually. And children could do this if they're if they want to write a story. You can think of something plus something equals. So I was thinking ghosts plus robots equals what's that world like and you could do that like if you love dinosaurs you could do dinosaurs plus you love dinosaurs and magic dinosaurs plus magic equals or I don't know uh, underwater plus um I don't know space <laughs> equals whatever you want to do you could can, can create you could just use that simple idea to ask a question and create a story world from it I have to
0: ask you about the spooky experiences yes you have personal experience of spookdom yeah when I was
2: young (laughs) I think children are much more connected to this sort of thing and this is when I was younger and um once I was on my bunk bed with my sister well I thought I was with my sister we shared a room and she was on the bottom bunk or so I thought and I was on the top and then I felt someone lift up um the mattress with their feet, so you know when you're underneath and someone can yeah, push up. Yeah. And I lifted up and I, I said something crossly to her. I looked under the bed, no one there. Oh, my God. So I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I went running downstairs. And everyone, everyone in the family was downstairs. They were like, we don't know what you're talking about, Vashti. No one's been upstairs. I was like, oh, no. And another time I was in my nan's – my nan had a really spooky old house and I, I was staying over – at my nan's and an alarm clock went off in the hallway which was very strange to start with I, I was thinking why has someone set an alarm in the middle of the night three o'clock in the morning in the hallway so I got out of bed turned it off sat back in bed couldn't sleep and there was a the window to the door had a veil over it like a, a sheer curtain and then I heard footsteps coming up the corridor <laughs> faded and then getting louder as they're approaching my room and I really wanted to get up and have a look I was thinking this is a way to solve it get up and have a look but I felt so frozen and then I saw a shadow go past the door at a really strange height it was like lower than than like my parents could have been and then the the footsteps literally faded out as they passed my door so that was spooky who knows maybe there was a rational explanation for it but um
0: doesn't and it so, know like yeah. it
2: yeah other things <laughs> happen in that house like you know my mum grew up in the same house so she had some spooky experiences so I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm philosophical about about these things and I don't say you never 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 say never yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say who knows
0: <laughs> wow
2: yeah <laughs>
0: Well, back to the world of machines and ghosts. Mm. Um, what was your favourite thing about writing Wild Spark?
2: Uh, so with Wild Spark, I loved inventing the world of Wild Spark. So I love creating worlds that feel real for the readers because that's, to me, that's the most important job. I, If I read a book, I... I don't want to feel that the author is there. I want to feel like I'm immersed in that story, that I'm part of that world, that I'm there with the characters living it and that it's real. You know, like in the same way we feel like um, Hogwarts is a real place or oh, that you is. could, you know, yes. who hasn't pushed the back of the wardrobe and try to, <laughs> try to get through it. So you, want, you have to, you know, do that as an author. So for me, world building, creating that place that children can inhabit and go to, as a as a real <laughs> place for them is really important. So for me the most enjoyable enjoyable part is creating that world and the details and and coming up with the atmosphere and the tone and and what it's like and trying to make it as believable as I can.
0: <laughs> and finally, Vashi, what is next for
2: you? So Brightstorm sequel the is way. next. So my first book was Brightstorm, a different different story to Wild Spark, but the same in that you'll get a different world, interesting technology, lots of strong STEM girls and boys in the story because both worlds imagine places where gender has never been a barrier to achievement. So unlike our world where, you know, things have been unequal, still some way to go, in my worlds I like to imagine the world I'd like to see where girls and boys are equally achieving in the STEM subjects. So... um, Both worlds are like that. So Bright Storm is a story that centers around explorers and they adventure in skyships. So in the first book, they went to South Polaris, which is a bit like our South Pole, uh, the Cold and in the Brightstorm sequel, which name should be announced soon. <laughs> I hate my school <laughs> But they, they're going to the jungly rainforest, but with a big twist okay. <laughs> in it. So, yeah, some, some technology in the rainforest that's really Brilliant. exciting. And new characters and same, same characters that you love or love to hate in the case of Eudora Vane. But some... Yeah, same but but some different different discoveries, so more adventuring. But we're going hot.
0: <laughs> some say the first time he ever picked up a pen, the very ink itself started singing in celebration. It's time, of course, for a top writing tip from our in-house writer extraordinaire, Dave Rudden.
3: Hi, I'm Dave Rudden, author of Nights of the Borrowed Dark. This is your two-minute tip on third draft editing. Start the clock. Writing a book is a process. You can't do it all in one go. No author does. In previous episodes, I've spoken about the need to give one job to each draft. First draft, telling yourself the story. Second draft, refining, taking out what isn't needed and adding to the things that need work. Your third draft is where you get serious. By now, the book is probably starting to look more and more like what will eventually end up on the shelf. But, if you really want to stand out as an author, you have to go deeper. There's a line in the first chapter of Knights of the Borrowed Dark where one of my villains is speaking. He's gross. Even his voice is gross. The words roll off his tongue like cockroaches. I was very proud of that line until my friend and editor Graham pointed out something that I'd forgotten. Cockroaches don't roll. Oh, I was so annoyed. But he wasn't wrong. And that's the thing. Now that you've gotten a draft down and refined it, it's time to really tighten that prose. You need to go back word by word and snip out anything that's surplus to requirements. Anything that's badly phrased. Anything you don't need. When I got that edit from Graham, I sat down and I opened thesaurus.com and I said, the word slipped from his tongue like a cockroach. The word crawled from his tongue like a cockroach. Better. The word skittered from his tongue like a cockroach. Perfect. This is a really important step to take and it's one that a lot of aspiring authors don't. Because it's tough. You'll have nightmares about misplaced commas. But if you do it, your work will have a level of polish other people's doesn't. And that is only ever a good thing. So cut, tweak, tighten. Tune each sentence like a guitar string until it is pitch perfect. I like to read my work out loud because it always highlights all the too long sentences or the slightly awkward phrases I may have missed. You should too. It'll be practice for your book launch. Okay, you might be able to guess this episode's challenge. Take your second draft piece from last time and put it under a microscope. Polish it to a mirror sheen. Because next time, we're going to be talking about sending your work out into the world. Dave out.
0: Here at We Love Books headquarters, we are absolutely, absolutely in love with stories written by you guys. Today, 12-year-old Sive has done something very special and very interesting for us. She's imagining for us what a day in the life of Anne Frank would be like. You might have heard of the Diary of Anne Frank, also known as the Diary of a Young Girl, and it's the actual diary of young Anne as she and her family went into hiding during the Nazi occupation of Holland in World War II. The story of Anne and her family is terribly sad and it gives us an idea of what daily life was like in hiding.
4: Hi, my name is Sive, and this is a day in the life of Anne Frank in a way. It's what I might have imagined a page of her diary to be. I wrote it because we were working on World War II in school and our teacher got everyone to write a diary entry for Anne Frank. 10th of May, 1940. The Annex. 2pm. Dear Kitty, today we and the other families left our homes for the annex behind the bookcase to hide from the Nazis who have, as of today, invaded Amsterdam. It was all so sudden and so much of a rush to get everything we could and bring it to the annex. I can hear the thunder of guns in the distance and feet marching ever closer. But right outside is a group of young German soldiers discussing the war effort. I must stay completely silent. It also means that father and mother can't get to the shop, so we can't get food. Oh, Kitty, I'm so scared and confused, and I could just kill Hitler for what we've had to become to survive. I feel like some kind of rodent scuttling into hiding whenever anyone we don't know comes near. I feel happy in a weird way because I know my family is safe, which makes me feel guilty because a lot of my friends are stuck in concentration camps, and thinking about that makes me sad. I have to go now, Kitty. It's time for dinner. See you tomorrow, Kitty and Frank. That's
0: it for today. I'm Neve McManus. This is We Love Books. You've been great, and I'd like to say a huge thank you to absolutely everybody who helped make this podcast possible, to all the people at RTE Junior, to all the amazing kids who read, wrote, and reviewed, to the sound lads, Bren and Stephen, and to all the big kids too. So all the adults who helped bring our kids to studios, get our kids to reading, bring them to school. It's a whole lot of work to be an adult. That's it from me. Until next time, happy reading.